Philippians is one of the epistles of Paul. And the lectionary today takes us to that great hymn of Christ, one of the great worship hymns of the early church, and that establishes very clearly who Jesus Christ is. And of course, as Paul will call us to model our lives after Christ. So we're going to start with verse uh, chapter 2 in just a moment, go to the first 13 verses. As I was reading this, I was thinking how this describes Jesus' work, his mission, what he came to accomplish. And I got to thinking about, I wonder how it relates to our own work. And most of us spend a lot of our working time, at least a third of our lives, and, and oftentimes more than half of our waking lives, actually at work. And so what does... Where do we get guidance on that? Do we go to uh, good business management books and get guidance on how to be a good worker? Or do we turn to Christ and see how he would have us be workers? Or do we do both? Is there a blending together uh, that we could do? Another way of asking the question would be, uh, does this hymn of Christ, as it describes Jesus, and in probably the most uh, uh, complete way in, in, in succinct terms, does this give us a model, and could we use it for that purpose? Well, interestingly, some of the more recent studies in business management have in fact taken us, if you're Christians, to thinking about Christ and how he lived his life. Not because the business management books start with Christ at all, or they're Christian, they don't even mention Jesus, but for any person who has read Philippians, you immediately see that they're talking about someone living the life as Christ would live it. I want to give you two examples of that, some of the, the best-known examples. In the book Good to Great, Collins studied the way leaders of great companies do their work, not just good companies, but companies that over time, over years, have, have brought good uh, return and have good uh, uh, continuation of workers and all of that kind of stuff. And they discovered what was to them a surprise in, in the book, but... Not that, not a surprise if you're a Christian and have read Philippians. Expecting to find that the most effective leaders are those who are visionary and cast a clear and compelling vision. That's a stage four leader, they discovered, and can produce a good company, but not a great company. And they found that the level five leader is this, an executive in whom genuine personal humility blends with intense professional will. Collins explains that this intense professional will is not for their own career advancement or for their own gain or to get more income for themselves. It's rather a, an intense professional will for the well-being of the company, the employees, the customers, and in fact, the society at large. They have uh, an intense desire to do something that's great, and they will not let anything stop them in accomplishing that at their, uh, at their position of power. Now, as we will see, Christ is described as a humble person who was so intense in his missional will that he was willing to sacrifice everything to complete his work. In fact, Paul takes that and applies it to us when he says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, 
but each of you to the interests of others. Now let me give you a second example that comes from the business world. Uh, using a different kind of language and actually looking at the culture rather than the leader and the type of leader, Dave Logan describes in Tribal Leadership that there are five types of corporate culture or organizational ways of being. And the organizations that have the most effective cultures are those where everyone is a valuable member of the team. There's a positive sense that all of life is great, not just that we are great, which is a stage four kind of culture, that we're a great company, but rather life is great, people are great, and we're a part of that greatness. What Collins describes in Good to Great as humility, Logan describes as innocence and filled with wonder. Now, as we think about these findings in the working world in which you and I live, it is clear that the example of Jesus to be a humble, innocent, dedicated, intense commitment to all is the model for how we are to do our work, both in order to earn money, because the great companies make money, but it's not just to make the money, but to live the good life. When God's kingdom works together well, prospering occurs for all, and all are able to be cared for in that ongoing work. So we want to take these words of Paul and we want to apply them then to our own life. Uh, I want you to think kind of specifically about your work life, but, but of course it applies to family life and to community life and, and to all of those. And so we want to look at this hymn of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, and going through uh, verse 13. Paul begins in, and frames this hymn by saying, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then this is where the hymn begins. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then Paul continues, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now keep that open before you, and let's pray. Father, we're so thankful that you 
have not left us to just kind of figure out life. You've taught us over and over, thousands of years ago, how to live a, a great life, how to live a, a tribal culture that is truly healing and whole. And yet, Father, there's something within each of us and within societies, whatever their, their um, political or economic system might be, there's something within us as human beings that, that mess things up. And so we're here today out of a deep desire to let you work within us so that we can be a great blessing, not only in our homes and in our church, but in our workplaces. So speak to us now. We're listening. Amen. Over the last weeks, we've talked about working through the problems that separate us and divide us so that we can, in fact, live in a united way. And that unity with Christ and one another, we find then encouragement and, we, and comfort and sharing and tenderness and compassion and joy and love as we are one in the Spirit. That's God's intention for us, is that, yes, we're going to have difficulty, and yes, we're going to have conflict, but we can work it through and find unity and oneness, and we can, in fact, experience this joy of the Spirit. But the key to that unity now, we continue to discover, is humility and putting others first. Now, why I think it's fascinating, why I started with good to great and tribal culture and so on, I find it fascinating that the best businesses are led by people who do exactly what Jesus did when he came and lived here. We often hear that when you're doing business, well, business is business, and we're here for the profit, and you shouldn't uh, worry about the human beings that are involved in the business. You just cut expenses and cut jobs and, and simply uh, make more money for your investors or for yourself. And yet, the business world itself says that's not true. If you want to make a good living over the long haul, then you care for everyone, including your employees and customers and, uh, and others. The research about how businesses succeed is clear that it's in harmony far more with what Jesus Christ teaches than what we would uh, think the culture as a whole accepts or, or is willing to believe. Now theologians tell us that this hymn of Christ was a worship hymn to remind us of this truth about Christ in every gathering that uh, they would uh, sing these words. And so the epitome of our, of our understanding of who Jesus is is what we want to use today as an evaluation of our own lives. He, he didn't come just to, to show us what God does when he comes. He came to show us, as Paul describes, what humans are to do now that God has come and he's at work within us. And so we can come to him and say, we could live in a way that that would make our lives have his purpose in our workplace and in every other relationship that we have. So there are two dis dis descriptions I'm going to focus on. I encourage you to, to take more time and meditate on the hymn and, and let God speak to you directly. There are two descriptions I'm going to focus on, and then I want to, to end with that kind of word from Paul, his guidance to us about this area. So let's begin with the two descriptions of Jesus. First, we are told by the hymn, Jesus made himself nothing, 
And the word there means that even though he was the creator God with all authority and all power, he emptied himself of all that and became a servant. Now let's, let's allow that to be an evaluation for a moment. Let's ask ourselves, do I humbly fill my place at work and in my family and in my community? Do I humbly fill my place whatever power I might have or position or authority? Am I a humble servant of the people with whom I work? Do I put their needs before my own? I was tempted to just stop the sermon there and let us pray for a while. I hope that you'll take time just, just to meditate on that. There's nothing perhaps more important. But second, the hymn goes on to say that he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The Greek word there, we translate obedient, comes from a root word meaning to listen. Now, of course, it's meant in terms of our relationship with God that we listen and hear, sense, understand his guidance, and then we do what he's asked us to do. And so obedience requires, first of all, listening to know what it is that God would have us do. And in relationship with God, the best choice is to listen and then to do it, to trust and obey. But it also, I think, in a secondary sense, means to learn how to listen to those who are working with us and sharing our lives with us. Uh, not out, so much out of obedience to them, but out of cooperation with them as together we're doing the work. Without a doubt, and I've had many, many hours talking with people about their work experience and how we're going to work through, especially with different types of leaders. Without a doubt, one of the most common struggles that we have at the workplace is being in a place where no one listens, where we can't be heard, where we have no voice. And so we, at least as a part of that system, we're a part of it, whatever our position might be, if we have the same attitude as Christ, we will listen to what other people are saying. So evaluation number two, and let's ask this in both ways. Do I spend time in silence with God, listening intently for his guidance, direction, course correction? And second, do I listen to my fellow workers, my family members, others with whom I share my life? Do I listen and validate and cooperate with others? And then last, Paul gives this kind of guiding statement that we are to continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Now again, the, the Greek words are far better than the, the English translation. We are to work out our salvation with respect and reverence and diligence, recognizing that we ourselves do not have the ability to save ourselves, for this is God at work within us to will and to act in accordance with his good purpose, his good pleasure. The truth is that none of us 
can live the humble, purposeful life that Christ lives by our own strength. And the scriptures are clear all the way through that no one expects us to. What the scriptures teach is that we come to God and allow God to work in us to give us the strength and the power and the difference. As Hank gave the, the presentation on the, on the rescue mission, the depth of the, of the recovery of that program is connecting people with churches and with AA and with others who are going to bring God's love, this higher power of his presence. And in this program, it's Christian. Bring Christ into our lives and transform us. That is true of every single human being. We all struggle with addictive behaviors in all kinds of ways. And for some, it does, in fact, destroy their life, as substances might do. But it destroys the soul in whatever ways we are not allowing God to work within us. And so these words of Paul are given to us so that we might work out our salvation with reverence and intensity letting God do his good work within us so that we'll, we will we'll change that will and act that will change our actions in ways that bring about God's great purpose. So again, let's ask ourselves, am I reverently, respectfully, diligently working with God to fulfill his good purpose in and through me? As we go to God in prayer, let's spend time with him. And I would encourage you to listen. Sense what he's saying and say yes to his guidance.